Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at another night of hoops here in the NBA, second night of this young 23-24 season. Definitely want to make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We're going to be bringing you these videos each and every weekday this season. Got our best bets video here for you guys. Also have a play a props video we're bringing you each, each and every day as well. So check that one out also. Also head to thelines.com. You can check out everything we're putting up on the site right now and use that handy dandy odds finder tool make sure you're getting all the best odds and lines available to you guys from these books this season nate let's go ahead and jump right into our first pick here i guess i will say we went one and three in the best bets last night two and two in the play of props still feeling things out in this young nba season as we move ahead here but feeling pretty good about tonight i think there's actually some value with such a big slate here yeah the takeaway from the first night is that there were a lot of moving parts in the offseason Teams might need a little time to get adjusted, uh, which led to some some scattered offense in that Golden State game. Also, Bradley Beal being ruled out. Uh, but, you know, everybody playing catch up with the Denver Nuggets, it seems, who still are ahead of the curve <laughs> with everyone just fitting in a, uh, alongside Jokic perfectly. Looking at this 12-game slate, though, um, I'm taking a big dog. I'll, let's call it Portland plus 10 at the Clippers because it, 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 Clippers are still taking more of the money here. It opened minus 9 or lower, uh, but it's creeping up. And I think we're just considering the Blazers to be, you know, the, still the, the tanking version we saw at the second half of last season, the last two seasons, where they were just complete, not trying, uh, just getting blown out. But as you you might remember, they, they actually started really well last year. I mean, we, granted, with Dame Lillard le- leading the way, but they covered in eight of their first nine road games, including winning outright at the Lakers, Kings, and Suns to open last season. I think this is a plucky team that we're underrating a little bit, especially in terms of their depth. I'd say on paper right now, their depth is much better than the Clippers who, you know, coming into last year, we were like, wow, this is such a deep team. They're, they're so versatile and deep. Well, now they have an ancient power forward rotation of Nick Batum, Mook Morris and Robert Covington. And they can't put Terrence Mann into that spot because he's out tonight. Uh, and Bones Highland is questionable as well for the opener. Sure, Kawhi and PG are going to be out there. They haven't really blown up against Portland. Um, I mean, PG's been very efficient his last few against them. Kawhi, 24 points per game on on 44% shooting, which is inefficient for him. It, it's more just the case of, right, they, they, do they kind of cater to their competition? Are they saving something for at Utah in two nights, which is a much more exhausting and daunting task? So covering 10 for the Clips, I, I will pass on that. I will take the Blazers to just be plucky out of the gates here uh, with with Scoot and Shaden Sharp being an, ex- an exciting backcourt. Simons is healthy now. He was not healthy at all last season. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, you know, putting a chip on his old shoulder, saying he's going to prove something now that he's out of the shadow of, of Book and, and CP and, and Phoenix. And, and then you have some stabilizers um, in terms of Brogdon. Um, who's played really well against the Clippers his last few. Robert Williams is a defensive chip if you want to throw him out there, protect the rim. There's a lot of options for Portland here, and I just think that coming out of the gate, being such a big dog, uh, that they're going to be competitive, and and maybe down the stretch not so much, but I, I like them on opening night here. I gave them a long, hard look at, at, at for tonight, and – completely agree with everything you're saying it was for the reasons that you're saying i I don't know how long this is going to last for portland like there's so many 
outs where they blow up in, in a lot of different ways and, and somewhat on purpose, I think, right. Is even though it seems like it was a weird sort of tank, get rid of Dame job when they end up with Malcolm Brogdon and Rob will on their on their rotation, they also re-signed Jeremy Grant to all that money. So at that point in time, they kind of sold the idea that they were going to be completely selling and tanking at this point because of the way that they spent that money. Um, not even really a tradable contract. So I think they're going to stick with what they have and, and we'll see how it rolls. But <clears throat> there's a few guys on the team that have what we might call some potential attitude problems. And I think there's some good, some uh, uh, equal amount of guys that are, are really good locker room guys. So uh, it's a really 50-50 shot with Portland. But at the end of the day, right now, first game of the season, none of that really comes into play yet. It's just a talented roster versus an old roster. So I, I think it's a, a solid start to, to the, uh, the best bets for today. Um, I'm going to get into a game here that should be full of points. Sacramento is at Utah and I'm taking sack minus one and a half. I, I don't think it's like a super mispriced line, even though it looks so small for one team that was the three seed and one team that didn't make anything last year. But like Utah was so weird last year. It, it, it was sort of hard to to get a hold of when they were, I mean, when they were going to play guys and when they weren't really is what it came down to. Mark didn't miss a ton of games. It was the second half of the season, which coincided with when they brought Walker Kessler on and got better down low and switched everything around from being one of the worst teams at guarding centers to one of the best teams at guarding centers. But I still think uh, this type of center, DeMontis coming in, is a, is a big problem for him and, and a reason that they went 3-1 uh, and one did the Kings against the Jazz last year, covering the two points in, in all the, the games that they won. The one that they lost was actually a weird game where Markkinen didn't even play. They had they sat a bunch more guys uh, in Utah, and it was just like that one of those weird nights where the team that sits everybody has guys coming out gunning, and Sacramento just had their starters on just another night in crappy Utah. Both these teams are good in this scenario. Utah is always going to have one of the best home court advantages in the league, um, and they were good at home last year, especially as home underdogs, if you want to consider them that in a, with a minus one and a half spread. We're basically saying this is a pick 'em, but Sac was also the number one team against the spread uh, when they were the away favorites, twenty six and fifteen, and that that's often because like they're not huge road spread favorites, right? Like the, those spreads were not very big. They were all uh, the ones that they covered. They they won by an average of four point two points. So you know they're covering some decent sized spreads, but the four points is is about what they're winning by. So not not what they're covering by. Sorry, what they're winning by is is four point two points. So I, I just think for the Kings team, you know, it's something we talked about in in the futures video. They're going to take a step forward by simply being so young and these guys still being in progressive years within their career. None of them are even 27, really. I mean, DeMontis is their, their sort of old, savvy vet at 27 years old. Everybody else, including De'Aaron Fox, is 25 years old. And then, obviously, you got Harrison Barnes, the, the, the politician there at 31, which is a big reason that he came back. But one of the guys I'm looking to improve uh, a ton is Keegan Murray. We just saw him look like LeBron James in Summer League obviously against much lesser comp, but he showed that like he's on a different level than guys who are, who are trying to, you know, make the roster or who are going to be bench players that are all playing in summer league. He's like, I don't belong with y'all. Let me make that very clear. I can drop 40 on you guys in three quarters whenever I want. So I love that, that level of confidence and where he's at now and his <clears throat> specific skill set is three point shooting, which by the way, his on the ball stuff got so much better. It was really fun to watch for Keegan, but his, his shooting uh, is, is a big reason why you can beat the jazz. They, they do give up a ton of threes. I think you're going to see Jordan Clarkson for 32 plus minutes, which always means you're going to get some pretty good perimeter play from your team. Um, so I think it's a really great spot to take sack minus one and a half while people still don't really believe in them. And they're going to continue to be a good team in the West.
Yeah, this is concurrent with a lot of our futures takes, which is that the Kings are just getting disrespected after not changing anything and just coming in with, an, with another year of experience. I think there were even money to be a seven seed or better in the West at DraftKings this week. I, I don't know if that's corrected yet, but I definitely bet that. I mean, they were the three seed, of course, and uh, I just don't expect that much regression. The Jazz... The, the only thing that concerns me is the piped-in crowd noise and the little bit of elevation in Utah. It's a tough place to play, for sure. Uh, but the Kings, you know, they're, they're like I said, they're one more year of experience, won a huge Game 6 in Golden State in the playoffs. It's not like they're going to be shook by this moment. And sometimes, yeah, they're kind of in that right age range where they're not, like, feeling the pressure of expectations they're, in fact, feeling the, pre- the the motivation of being overlooked again in a crowded Western yeah. Conference. And so I do think they come out and give you a fair shake here. If it gets down to the clutch, you got you got De'Aaron Fox in the clutch. So that's, that's always great. <laughs> the yep. clutch player of the year. Uh, let's go with another small spread, small road favorite, Cavs, minus one at Brooklyn. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, it was minus two and a half, and it's crept down, I guess, because Darius Garland is legit questionable. But people are still yeah. betting the Cavs. Uh, Jared Allen is out. That's all right. Um, look, the Cavs went 11-2 and two at last year when Garland was out and averaged three more points per game, in part because they have Donovan Mitchell now, and it's just like unlock Donnie and then lean on that defense. But, um, I mean, there is some numbers here to indicate overs. Uh, they, they went to 230 and 224 while beating Brooklyn twice in March. This iteration of the Brooklyn Nets, they went over in one of them despite Brooklyn shooting a putrid 9 for 33 from deep, which is not going to happen again. But... I, I'm looking at more just the Cavs to win, um, not, not trying to mess with the total this early because we don't know about the style of play uh, as teams come into the season. But what we do know is that Cleveland smokes teams that are below 500 teams. They went 30-5 and five against them last year, and they were themselves below 500 against winning teams. So trust them to handle business here against a Nets team that, yes, was 10-13 and 13 after trading KD, was 6-9 and nine at home at, down the stretch. Um, and I think there's some motivation here for the Cavs after just totally getting embarrassed by the Knicks in the playoffs is, it's, it's a lot to prove here coming into the season. Um, uh, you know, they, they were just, their offense was completely shut down. Um, and, and I think that they're going to have a much better opportunity to find some offense here against the Nets team that without Mikel Bridges, I mean, with him having such a high usage rate, he's not going to be that stopper that that's going to try to contain Donnie Mitchell, uh, and, and, you know, Evan Mobley expected to take a leap on both ends of the floor. I will take the Cavs here against in, in slightly inferior opponent. Um, I just don't think, and the Nets have much of a home court advantage in that sleepy Barclays center. So I'm fine with them on the road. It feels like we're both just making the first picks of the season based on how we're projecting the entirety of the season. Like we're both looking at this being like Cavs are going to be really good in the East this year. Brooklyn Nets are not going to be very good in the East this year. So we're like one point, give me that, which I'm fine with, with the logic that we're using. It's just, it's similar to the logic that I'm using with sack and, and why I agree with, with both of your picks is just like one team is definitely four points better than the other one in this one. So we get one, you know, them on the road. Um, I mean, look, there was something to the idea that the Cavs were incredible at home last year uh, and stinky on the road. But I, I do think Donovan Mitchell is going to take a little bit of a leap, to be honest with you. I think if, uh, his points per game is actually going to go up maybe a little bit, right? Right around like 28-ish this year. So I, I think, uh, and which is what, what he was last year. But I, I'm with you on this one as well. I, I'm not as worried about the Allen 
being out injury. I am a little bit worried about the Garland one for, for the points that I think they're going to need, but I, I do like an over a bit more in this one. It's just, it's scary to play these totals, like you said, until we know a bit more about the, the style of play that we're going to get. Max Struess on that team now could speed things up a bit for them as well. Really good rebounder and then get out and transition guys. So um, I, I think that, that we'll, we're going to see a, Pretty fast Cavs team at times this year. Um, finishing things up, I'm just I'm going to an SGP, and I didn't put him in player props, but I'll probably mention in the player props video that I took him in this video because it's Wembenyama, and Wemby is at two and a half blocks for plus money. You can just take that if you want. It's plus 110 for him to get three blocks. 20-plus points as well. Um, you can get that for plus money on, on drafting. like plus 145 because his, his total set around 17 and a half, 18 and a half, depending on where you're finding it. Like, I've watched him play live three times now, Nate, and maybe that is impacting what's happening to me. And I understand that the first two times were in the summer league against, like, a Scoot Henderson team and whatever. But then I also watched him against the the dubs in preseason. And he's playing, he was playing 20 minutes a game in preseason. I have no reason to believe he's going to play less than, like, 25 to 30 in the regular season per night as well. And he was getting 19 and a half points and three blocks per game in those 19 and a half minutes in the preseason. Like he's blocking dudes from 20 feet away. He just changed the geometry of the game. Everybody he blocks is like how I've never been blocked from there. I've always just had it in my brain condition that like, Oh, I'm here. You're there. I can shoot because physics dictate that no one's arm can freaking reach this far. Um, and Wemby defies all that. So I, I, I like the smoothness with, with which he looked on offense, I, I'm totally fine. Like his ability to shoot in transition is absurd. I, I I don't necessarily need to make this just a rant about how good he is, but I will say he's playing the Mavs and the Mavs at times last year were surprisingly good against centers, but that's also just because they were so bad everywhere else, especially once they lost guys like DFS and Reggie Bullock and just started playing the Kyrie's and Josh Green's of the world, which is once again, what we talked about in futures with the Mavs, uh, Derek Lively, really Good, really good college defensive center who averaged six points a game. What is that going to mean? Like, I, what is that going to do, right? So once he's out of the game, and you can't expect that their starting rookie center to necessarily play more than you know twenty five minutes per game. Uh, like, I don't know how how he could be there in in the, in the ending lineups, right? The closing lineups. He's just not able to, which means now you're talking about six foot eight Dwight Powell or six foot seven Maxi Kleba guarding seven foot five. Victor Wembanyama, like he's just going to shoot from wherever he wants. He's going to get whatever he wants. Um, it's going to be a thing this year. Like it's not overhype. There's not much you can do to stop him when you're seven foot one, right? And they don't have anybody to do that. Uh, like I said, outside of lively, like there's just a points to be had galore. And, and the three point line is going to be a place that he's probably going to get a couple. He's probably going to get three to five looks from deep. Um, and you got to expect him to make a couple of those as well with his shooting. So th there's a lot of holes in this Mavs team. I think Wembenyama is going to find all of them. Plus 400 for these two uh, is really intriguing. Yeah, I I mean, I have no problem picturing the blocks because, yeah, what you mentioned with the geometry and with what the Mavericks depend on offensively, which is two guys who either do these sort of turkey-jerky Euro steps in the lane and expect to, to be able to get the shot up somehow. And that's just not going to work against Wemby or guys who take step back jumpers. And, and so I think the blocks are going to be there in this matchup for sure. If he can stay out on the floor, avoid foul trouble against those two guys. Um, the scoring, I, it might be a little bit of an adjustment period from, from preseason. And, and we'll see if there's one thing that a more physical team can do to get him off his spots in, in regular season play. But I mean, he's facing a rookie center, like you said, Derek Lively. I mean, so it's, 
And Dwight Powell, I think, is questionable or out for this one. So the Mavs don't have many options to deal with him. Uh, yeah, the, the range of outcomes could certainly go near 30 points, which I think you said you kind of drunkenly placed a 32-plus point bet the other the other night. I mean, it's, I was sober. <laughs> Excuse me, I was sober. <laughs> yes, yes, but drunk, drunken click. It's it's yeah. Greg Popovich. He's going to do what people don't expect. So if you're like, oh, you know, Wemby's going to only play like half the game, et cetera. Like he might just be like, no, nope, unleash him 40, 40 minutes. Like just do your thing. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. C- counter thought to the mainstream thinking of Pop resting everybody because because that's what we've seen him do since you know, 10 years ago now, he's really been the, the like rest guys guy. And, and really even with the, the Duncan Spurs once they got old, but that's, that's our lasting memories of him. Like he, why would he not play women? Like what, first of all, he's like 78. How much longer is he going to be there? He's going to get as much as he can out of Wemby. But either way, I think you're just going to see him be wildly efficient in the 28 ish minutes that I predict him playing. So we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting night with, with 12 games tonight. So let's jump right into that. Nate. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tyler Hero on opening night here in Detroit, uh, which is a great matchup for the Heat, uh, for any guard here. Uh, but really, it's about the narrative is that Hero's been been pretty pissed about uh, all the trade rumors and all the dis- disrespect to him personally that, that, oh, the Heat made it to the finals without you. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent were, were a better fit in, in terms of competitive both two ends. Well, I mean, those guys are gone. Kyle Lowry's agent and the only other playmaker options are, I mean, in terms of guards, I mean, you still got Jimmy. Yeah. It is, is a rookie in Hawkes and, and RJ Hampton. Um, so I think Hero's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I will take the, the PRA points, rebounds, assists at 28 and a half. If you would just want points, it's 20, but yeah, it's Detroit, which, you know, a guy like Jimmy Butler, I don't think is going to sell out to go to score 25 points against. In fact, he averages 19, on a 24% usage rate, his last five against this this lowly Pistons team. Whereas Hero, in his career, seven appearances, 25 points per game, along with 5.3 rebounds, five assists, on a 27.5% usage rate against Detroit, a Detroit team that allowed the third most points to shooting guards last year and was third worst overall in defensive rating. That actually allowed more threes and assists at home, giving up 118 at home. And actually allowed more points per game, 121, when they had extra rest. Uh, I don't see them improving defensively here. I don't think they did anything on that end. Uh, maybe offense will be better with Cade Cunningham coming in, um, you know, well well rested and, and healthy at this point. But yeah, for Hero, it's just like this is going to be his show to run. It, um, you know, since last season, he he actually had a higher usage rate on the road, 28 percent. Average 21 on points per game, uh, despite you know shooting lower percentage. But he was just given the keys with Jimmy and Bam trying to get a little extra rest. You know how the Heat play things for the long haul. Uh, they're just like, all right, go ahead, young buck. Yeah, you, you go get buckets or facilitate. And I think that's what he'll be doing in this matchup. Likely, hi- highly likely that that's the case. I would agree, <clears throat> like... I don't know much about Tyler as a person, but I would imagine that anybody with any kind of competitive ego would be pretty pissed that they were literally just being dangled on the edge of a hook for the entirety of a summer. According so, yeah, to the last scene of conclude. that white man can't jump movie, he has anger issues. So yeah, we'll go we'll go with that as a as a window. <laughs> 
Rosie Perez couldn't stick around. I understand. All right, let me go to my first pick here. That is Franz. Franz Wagner. So excited that you brought this to my attention, Nate. Thank you for that. We both love Mr. Wagner to get over 22 and a half points and rebounds combined. Like, he's very likely to get 22 points, in my opinion, in this game alone. So I would feel really good about that. To be fair, like, he he's only averaged three boards per game against the Rockets last year. So, like... There is a reason that, like, even though he is likely to get 20 points, it's still a pretty decent line. Um, but I do think that he'll continue to to get those. He, he averaged more boards than that on the season. But the 24 points per game that he put up versus Houston last year, maybe you don't want to put too much stock in it. There's there's a new team in town. I mean, Fred Van Fleet doesn't really add to the defense, but he, he won't be guarding Franz unless, obviously, he gets switched onto him at times, which isn't a bad idea to, to run that pick and roll and get him there. But um, either way, like this Houston team, even if you consider Dylan Brooks now there as the guy who might be guarding the shooting guard on the other team now, um, and really whomever the, the other team's best player is, you're just as likely to see Brooks on, on Paolo as you are on Franz Wagner in this game. Um, either way, when Franz played against Memphis last year, it was matched up with Dylan Brooks. He still got over this line uh, in the two games that they played, 22 points per game and three boards against Memphis last season, uh, which isn't even as good as the the, the 24, like I said, the uh, 24 that he averaged versus Houston last year alone in, in the points per game category there for for Mr. Wagner. So um, I'm not really worried about, I, I know Ime is going to come in and make this team better, but I think Franz is going to take a big leap. I was talking to you earlier about Zach Lowe, who we both and most people in that basketball world think is incredibly intelligent uh chose uh franz for most improved player this year because he does he has another leap i mean he's 23 years old there's still another step to take for him which is going to be a part of the huge part of whether or not you know how good orlando is essentially in that southeast division and i think it's going to be really good and i'm i'm not really a houston believer in the way that some people think that they got better enough to like make a splash of some kind this season or come close to bothering teams or be in the the play-in like I still think they're bottom of the division, uh, Houston Rockets, and and this is going to be a very uh, a longer than one year project for Ime. Yeah, I think just Franz is going to be incredibly efficient. What did he shoot like 80, 60, 90 in the preseason, like setting a new ridiculous benchmark, and was fantastic in the World Cup. It's not just mm-hmm. a leap; it's just a steady exponential growth for this guy. I don't think Dylan Brooks is going to get in his head. I don't think he cares. And yeah, the three rebounds per game in, in, in a two game sample size against Houston. I, I mean, that's, that's just tiny. The ball bounces different ways. He will get boards. He's like a six, eight shooting guard here or six, 10, six, 10 <laughs> shooting card. Yeah, so big so now. They will, they will fall to him. Don't worry about that. Um, let's go with another young player on the rise. Year two of wing Jalen Williams. The big Jalen Williams is out for the Thunder. Not that that really matters here, but we are talking about one of the Thunder's young core three here to score 15 points. That's it. And it's minus 110 at at DK. I'm not, you know, I think this line has some great value because we're looking at Jalen for his entire body of work, um, I, I guess, last season, but he was totally unleashed. Um, after the first half, I mean, even in January, you look at his first matchup with the Bulls in November, he had eight points in 20 minutes. He only took four shots. And once he's a big part of their plans, 22 points on 10 for 12 in 34 minutes uh, and still only a 15 and percent usage rate. After the all-star break, he was a 20 and percent usage. He averaged 18 and a half efficient, 18 and a half with a 127 rating uh, and played 34 minutes per game. 
And the matchup is good here because how are the Bulls going to line up here? Probably Caruso on SGA, like one of the one of the top defensive guards out there to hound your best offensive player. Levine on Giddy, and then DeRozan on Jalen Williams. And, and DeRozan, who at this point has lost a step, was never really a plus defensive player, uh, is going to be concentrating on his offense because he has to for this Bulls team. Um, so I, I think Jalen will have plenty of opportunities to, to score and to and for them to run more of their offense through him if SGA is getting hounded by Caruso. So 15 points for me is is a very low line. It, it is. It, it was definitely low for the second half of last season once he cracked the starting lineup and, and Coach Dagonal couldn't keep him out of it anymore. Like, you don't have to tell me, I mean, Jay, of, of the impressive accolades that Jay Will pulled off last year was bringing SIGs and screens back from the gutter of fantasy basketball back into life when you picked him, I picked him up because he was just like, here's six, here's six steals and three blocks in a game. <laughs> like, Jesus, this dude's a menace. And then the shooting came along and the 18 points per game came along. Um, and like you said, even uh, against the Eastern Conference, especially, he seemed to have a lot of success last year in the scoring category. So, I'm interested to see how this OKC team unfolds in terms of its usage, just as much as anything. Obviously, SGA is going to have a massive usage. Is Jay Will going to be like a real second guy? Is is Chet going to get touches in the offense outside of just like, you know, you get it in the post and dish it back out, that kind of thing? Is he going to be playing on the perimeter? I'm just really interested to see. They're very deep. We'll see how many shots Lou Dort takes. But if Jay Will is on the rise that he was on the trajectory that he was last year, he should be the second banana to this team. So are they deep? um, Let me go and close things out here. (laughs) What's that? Are they deep, the Thunder? I mean, they have a lot of really unproven guys off the bench. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Uzman Dang is going to take another step forward as well. Like, I think they they do have some decent some decent stuff. Off. We'll, we'll get into the Thunder's rotation yeah, here in a little right. bit. Let me finish my pick. <laughs> well, I'm not worried about Jay Will, like, losing touches. I just think that it, we need to see who the second banana is. I, I hope it's him because he should be that. He's the most ta- second most talented player. There's a really good video of all the Thunder players, like, bickering with each other about who won king of the court. You should watch that with SGA and Jay Will going back at it. But... Let me finish with Kuzma here, and I understand the fear that Nate has, which he expressed to me about picking a Kyle Kuzma prop or any wizard not named Jordan Poole, because we might see a 62, unprecedented 62% usage rate for one player if Jordan Poole is allowed to do whatever the hell he wants in this game. I don't think he will. Uh, Wes Unseld is a no-nonsense coach probably to his detriment at times. Like He should probably just run a lot more with this team. There's a lot of versatile guys, specifically Kyle Kuzma, playing power forward for them which is why he averaged more than seven boards per game last year. So his 24 and a half points and rebounds is an over that I'm taking. You can get it at nearly uh, even money on DraftKings. So full unit on that playing against this Indiana Pacers team. This might be a game that I enjoy watching, to be honest with you. It's definitely going to come on for a bit in the league pass rotation. One, it's got my top league pass team ever in the Indiana Pacers. Um, But two, like, I'm really interested to see what happens with this Wizards team. I think Kyle Kuzma is just a guy that, like, the reason he did so well last year, averaging more than around the 25 points and rebounds a, a game that he did, is because he's just like, I, I'll go get mine, dude. I don't need you to pass me the ball. When I get it, I'm going up with it. So that's my that's my 
confidence in in Kuz that he's going to have a, a continued usage rate that gets us to the, the needed roughly 20 points, let's say. But he doesn't really need the 20 points. He boarded up so much last year, proving that he really is a good rebounder on both ends of the floor, maybe in part because he wants to get that defensive rebound and lead the break on offense, and that's what he's thinking about. But it forces him and motivates him to, to hustle and get those boards on defense, which is why he he averaged more uh, than eight boards a game last year. No, averaged not actually more than nine, rather, last year against Indiana, where you know you're going to get possessions with a team that played the top five fastest pace in the league last year, especially when Tyrese Halliburton was on the floor. That would have been a higher uh, pace for them on the season if Tyrese didn't miss like 30 games or whatever. Well, 20, 25 games. But either way, for Kuz, like, in this matchup especially, there, there's not much to me that, that he's got to be worried about on the on the other side of the ball. Like, whomever's going to be out there at power forward for this team is going to be one of the, the, the weaker links for the Indiana Pacers, and, and Miles Turner is really just going to be out there, like, doing his thing at down low, but Kuz is scoring from different places that I don't think he's going to have to really necessarily worry about him. Uh, I think the addition of Tyus Jones, if anything, is a huge reason that you can believe in Kuzma. Uh, eight, eight, more than eight assists per game last year when he started, when John Morant was not in the game. Uh, that compared to 1.7 assists. It's a big reason that I don't think that Memphis is going to be as good this season, um, especially when Jaw's not there, because Tyus Jones was that important. He, he was more than uh, 50% of the reason that that team was good when Ja wasn't in is because Tyus Jones was the 16th, 15th best point guard in the league already, right, in my opinion. So I don't even think that's my opinion. I think he showed that with the numbers that he put up when he was the starting point guard. Seven, 17 points per game, eight and a half assists per game with less than two turnovers. Like, that's that's all-star level stuff uh, in certain years. So uh, I think Kuz is going to benefit from all that, and the rebounds are going to be there from him hella uh, as the, the Indiana Pacers allowed the fifth most points per game and and the eighth most rebounds to power forwards last season. So let's just go over six and a half rebounds plus one ten at DraftKings. That's that that is my bet here. I'm not wow. if if you are if anyone out there agrees with my concern that Jordan Poole is going to shoot the ball forty times and look off open teammates and and it's just going to be a weird mess or. That I mean, you mentioned Indy's numbers against Power Forward last season. That was the position they absolutely addressed this year, though. They they drafted a great defensive rookie in Jairus Walker and and bring in Obi Toppin, who, you know, we'll see what he can do with a full slate of minutes. Uh, but he is he is rangy. He could he could be tough to score on. And and Kuzma's a hot cold scorer at times. So I would just take the rebounds. You you laid out perfectly how much he's been boarding up, how the pace will be played in this game how Porzingis is gone now, so he will be shifting up to the four far more often um, and be asked to, to get those rebounds. So that, that would be my preferred bet here. Not that I hate combining the two. Yeah. No, you're right. As as I'm looking at it, the plus money for the seven rebounds is just as good, if not, well, it's a better bet, actually. So, yeah, that, that makes total sense. I, I still like the around even money for Kuz on, on the, the points and rebounds. But, yeah, the, the rebounds are something I should hit solo as well. Uh, just pointing out Nate said I, I I laid that out perfectly so just pointing that out for everybody here I appreciate that Nate let's go ahead and close things out Nate that's all the time we have for you guys in the play a props video definitely want to make sure to check out the best bets as well little bonus pick I put Wemby in the best bets video for some points and blocks tonight you can still get plus money on him to get three blocks so happy first Wemby regular season day to everybody and until we talk to you next happy betting <laughs>